1: You're listening to Achdung Millwall, broadcasting
2: from the beautiful South except no self-aware. Hello dear listeners, welcome to an impromptu Achtung Millwall. Um, Michael has made, hot-footed it across the London Transport Network to be with us this afternoon. Welcome to the show, Michael Avery. How are you, mate?
1: Very well. Tip of advice. Um, Retrospectively, listeners, don't go to Oxford Street at lunchtime. It is an absolute pig, especially (laughs) at Christmas. And who knew John Lewis had so many poxy floors? Honestly, it's like a TARDIS. But anyway, I'm going off the subject. Apologies. Avoid,
2: avoid, the, the, avoid the Western. I had the misfortune to co- go into town on the Elizabeth line the other day, listeners, which is very swish, but it was packed. And I got out of ha- the habit of getting onto packed trains. So it all came as a bit of a shock to me. But there we are. We speak, the listeners, in the aftermath of yesterday's World Cup final. Argentina three. France three. Argentina nick it on penalties uh, after extra time. Um, Michael lot of debate around the you know the, the the football scene as to whether that was the greatest final um, in the tournament's history. I would put it in that category. I, I, I can't think offhand of a better final because I was telling my wife, who's always very interested in my football opinions, that finals are generally very tight, cagey, dull affairs, and that certainly wasn't that. Once Argentine, uh, once France clawed their way back into the game, mate, was it?
1: No, not at all. Um, I'm thinking possibly a final that could be as good probably without the goals was probably the um, Netherlands-Spain back in 2010, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was quite mm-hmm. high energy. There was a lot of those big tackles and you know Spain had this really good, amazing side that, that won it. But like you say, from the top of my head, I can't think of any in my lifetime uh, that... That would, would probably top that. Um, granted, I've only been on this earth for thirty six years, dear listeners. What's that? Nine World Cups. Um, <laughs> so it makes so it, it makes yeah. my personal top ten it makes my personal top ten. There you go. But um but it was yeah, it was it was just a great game. I mean the goals were good. Um they were great goals, especially Argentina's second one, some nice passages of play, some good football. France disappeared, then reappeared. It was yeah, it was it was very exciting. I mean, even my wife, she's not into football at all. Um, I've I've lost count the amount of times she shrugs when I tell her and we're Millwall getting on and sort of non-league clubs in the area. But even she was sat on the sofa, really in the game. So
2: even the non-league clubs in the area, I, I don't know. There we are. I, if, if, I... If, if, if,
1: yeah, if if you can't get your wife interested in Wellington versus Stand, oh <laughs> well, the Eireth
2: <White>, Derby. <laughs> In the year of Derby under 23s, what can't you get excited about? I mean, I I go back. I was reading Danny Baker, listeners, uh, and uh, Danny Baker increasingly as he's getting older. um, I used to be a fan of his when, when he was younger, writing for the NME. But as he's getting older, he's falling into the trap, Michael, and I'm really wary of this trap, dear listeners, of being one of these older blokes that can't ever tolerate the idea that anything in the modern world is good or better than when you were young. And he made the point, no, it isn't the greatest final of all time. There have been better. I did reply to him uh, on Twitter, asking what what that final was, the World Cup final was. And I never saw uh, Brazil for Italy 1 in uh, Mexico in 1970 because I was too young. I was only nine years old. Um, But I do remember pretty much, well, certainly the '74 World Cup final onwards. Um, The ones I remember from there, I mean, Argentina 78 springs to mind. Uh, There have been some good finals, mostly, we were just saying off air, Michael, they're very tight and very cagey affairs. Now, in fairness to yesterday's game, it was fairly tight and cagey because for the bulk of the game, Argentina were leading it from Messi penalty and then Di Maria in the 36th minute, it was 2-0, and it was seemingly drifting to a straightforward Argentine win in, in regular time. But... The drama really began with uh, the penalty then a very swift equaliser from Mbappe. From there onwards, I would put it into the category of the greatest final ever seen because the drama and the occasion are so huge. Everything's on the table and I can't think of anything at that level that really matches it because they're generally not that dramatic, are they, World Cup finals in that way?
1: No, no, and you, as you're saying there, some teams always appear a little bit nervous, or both teams are nervous to cancel each other out for the first fifteen, twenty minutes. But I thought, do you know, do you know what? Like in, I like, I like to use little funny quips and stuff. But do you know what it reminded me a little bit of? And bear with this. You know, in the first Rocky film, where mm. Apollo just keeps battering Sylvester Stallone, Ooh. and he comes back. And, and do you remember? The, do you remember the famous bit where? Where Apollo knocks Rocky out, and then Rocky gets back up and he sort of like waves his gloves at him. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm still that. here. I'm still standing. Yeah. And yeah. then like Apollo just shakes his head and sort yeah. of shrugs his shoulders. What can I do? Yeah. That was like that was that must have been. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure that like Argentina fought instantly of Sylvester Stallone, but um, <laughs> but they, when when they equalised the third time, they must have fought. What more do we need to do? We went 2 0 up, 2 Or We've scored late in injury time with, we'll go into the debate shortly obviously, but with arguably the greatest player of all time getting the goal in the fairy tale ending bundled over the line, the drama where everyone's looking at the watch to see if the watch vibrated, and then they equalise again. What more could Argentina Argentina have done really to win that? And ultimately they did, they won it on penalties, but. There's always there's also the argument of it's a shame that penalties have to decide games like that because there was there was goals in that game even at three all even when the final whistle blew you thought another ten minutes they'll probably another one of these two teams will score again it was so attacking every time Argentina went forward you thought they're going to score France after the second goal they might score they might nick it it was a real real good exciting game I thought.
2: Well, that was it. I mean, it was it was end to end stuff. Though I, I am not football technician enough to comment on the quality of the defending as against the quality of the attacking play. I mean, both sides have their stars in, and Bappe we've mentioned, and also obviously the man himself, Lionel Messi. Um, you know, I it was just high entertainment, and I think it would take a very very hard heart indeed not to have watched the uh, ninety minutes and the, the extra time and not be thrilled by the spectacle of what you've just seen. Um, So I I don't buy all this um, misery uh, scene that, you know, the olden days were better than the modern days, because it's bollocks listeners. If there's any listeners out there screaming at their, um, you know, their their, their system saying this wasn't the greatest find of all time, I'd love to know which one it was if it wasn't this one, because Mm. I can't think of one. Um, yeah, you know, if, if go, you if
1: you if you didn't enjoy that game last night, you might as well pack in watching football. In my opinion,
2: I suppose someone would throw uh, 1966 into the mix as a dramatic event. I didn't see it; I was only five years old, listeners. Um, if you did see it, then maybe you could have a debate about whether that versus this was uh, which one topped it on the dramatic stakes. But you're talking about that kind of level of, of, of game yesterday. Um, incidentally, um, Ali McCoy, the, I was, I was watching the BBC coverage, Michael, but Matt Ali McCoy came out that it was the first hat trick for Mbappe, where all the, ball, the balls have all crossed the line, um, which made me laugh because it's also there for the, uh, it joins Jeff Hurst as a hat trick final, yeah. uh, scorer. But the difference between Jeff Hurst won it and uh, Mbappe didn't win it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If he didn't make that point, I thought it would be a good riposte to him. But there we are. Um, Lionel Messi, Michael, the debate is going back and forth on the BBC website. I'm just on the front page here about whether he is or he is not the greatest time. You, 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 You wanted this podcast, Michael, to rave about Lionel Messi. You've dashed across London or through through thick and thin, the, the, the Jubilee line, central line. You have the microphone. Is he or is he not the greatest of all time for you, mate?
1: For me personally, in my lifetime, I've never seen a player that good. And I don't think I ever will again. Um, he just has absolutely everything. And you've got to remember as well. I mean, what is he, 34, 35? Yeah, players? he's come
2: late in his career. Yeah.
1: How, how, how many players are normally... Sort of playing lower league, or even football by now, and even the bigger name players who who sort of hang around a little bit, they either retire around now, or in the example of someone like a Ryan Giggs, who you know during his day was a world-class player, he was a late substitute towards the end of his career. This is this is a player who, you know, like they said the stat last night, he hasn't he, he he'd scored in every knockout round so far. He got he's 35, 36 years old he's he's still barcelona still want to re-sign him psg want to extend his contract handful of clubs around the world want him and not not just like the mls payday deal but you know so many teams want him he there was times last night where he just totally bossed the game that that sort of touch that through ball he played leading up to the second goal um was absolutely magnificent on the volley round the corner mm. just a top top player and and the thing is is that i'm i'm no like, I've not got the knowledge of, like, say, you know, Frankie Cristo the Millwall fan, and his knowledge of the Bundesliga, or I've not Ooh. got other international or European knowledge. But there was a few times I went to see Barcelona play um, towards the late 2000s, before 2010, when Messi broke in. And he's just, like, he's just incredible, the way he moves with the ball and off the ball as well. And... and you, sometimes you, you you have to see these... I know it's going to be difficult now and obviously because of his age, but see these players live to appreciate what they do off the ball. Because yeah. I, I remember I would, the game I went to was Barcelona-Valencia like in May 2007, 2008, something like that. Just broke in. I think he scored a hat-trick he, and the other two goals came through him. It was just absolutely another level and you think he's not... He wasn't anywhere near the peak of what he could have been then. And like I said last night, how many times did you just see him... eat? Some people say he strolls. Yeah, he might stroll. But for me, he floats around. He floats, finds the space, then he bursts into the exact spot he needs to be and even makes goals or score goals. I know some people on Twitter have been saying about how the BBC rave how good mess is and all that. But let's compare. And before, we have a pop, uh, before it sounds like I'm having a pop at him, I do actually like Ronaldo as a player as well. I don't think there's a lot between them. But con- contrast the two players now. During this World Cup, Ronaldo got sacked because he threw his toys out in the pram there was the backstage stories where he nearly got like nearly left stadiums because he got benched there's pictures of him being benched there's um, deals with him signing for i mm. think middle eastern clubs when he said he wanted to leave man united for the champions league and he left a bit under a cloud you look at messi similar age people say speech marks he plays in a farmers league he basically won the world cup for argentina
2: if if that's a farmer's league, then the, um, France have, well, they were worthy World Cup finalists. I mean, I, I'm going to park all the easy Argentine and, and French stereotypes to one side because um, I find it all a bit boring, to be honest. Um, if that's a farmer's league, league 1, then it's produced a team that could easily have won the World Cup, arguably should have done. I mean, a penalty shootout becomes a lottery, so it's not bad a bad set of farmers playing around the, uh, the rural parts of France in that case. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, these are always subjective choices as to who's the greatest. Um, you're certainly going to put him in the same sentence as the very, very great top table of football. Um, and now he's got the medals to prove it. The uh, You know, the, the, the World Cup winner's medal was always held slightly as a, uh, oh, he's never done that, has he? You know, that kind of um, feeling. He's also talking about continuing, Michael. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain... Farmers League or not Farmers League, they're they're a team that would expect to be competitive on a European level, and um, you know, he's he's talking about continuing as a world champion. I imagine he must have the ambition to lift the Champions League with with uh, PSG in that case. I can only presume that's what he's meaning by that—to have maybe one more one more season or, or something of that kind. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's an interesting article I read a little while ago by Guillaume Bellegay on the BBC Sport website and it said about how last season he struggled in the French league and everyone was saying he was past it and he was over and everything like that. But it was more because of the back behind the scenes, transitional stuff between him leaving Barcelona, trying to get the kids settled. He got COVID. He was playing in a system under a manager that wasn't really working for any of them. You know, Pochettino won the league last year, but he Mm. wasn't popular because he got sacked. Um, But now he's been put in a position he wants to play. His kids are settled. He's recovered from his COVID. He's not got that burden of, you know, one minute Barcelona are going to keep you around for X amount of years. and Then in the next minute, they can't get you out quick enough because you're too high on the wage bill. He's playing his football. He's enjoying his football. And they said he probably would. If he was to put a contract in his face now with PSG, would he sign it? They said he probably would. Um, And he probably wants to stay because everyone's settled, as, as I said. But like I said, if you look at, you look at in Europe at the moment, PSG want to resign his contract. Barcelona want to resign him. I think they were saying that obviously they're going to try some kind of miracle deal where they can afford it. Yes, the MLS isn't that level, but the big teams in the MLS or the startup teams like the Miami's who want to do something in America want to sign him. Other teams want to sign him. You compare that again to Ronaldo, and again, I'm not knocking Ronaldo as a person. He's been wanting to leave Man United for ages. No one wants to touch him. The only team who wanted to come anywhere near him was Atletico Madrid. Their supporters clubs allegedly said, don't sign him. We don't want him here. He's bad news. And I think with him, I'll certainly say my lifetime, because obviously I'm, I'm sort of, even though I'm approaching 40 um, in a few years, I'm not old enough to appreciate Cruyff or Maradona or Pelé mm. or best. But the players of my generation who you grew up watching, sort of like the Zidane's, Kaka, uh, Figo, Raul, you know, you yeah. list Rivaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Chavi, Iniesta. He's better than all them, in my opinion. And these are top, top, just from the top of my head, nine players who could have... And they always say that with players like Xavi's, Iniesta's, etc., they would have won more Ballon d'Ors. The problem is Messi and Ronaldo was around. And it always reminds me of the same when Ronaldinho won the Ballon d'Or. Um, just before he left Barcelona, when they sort of asked him, how does it feel being the best player in the world? He said, I'm not even the best player at Barcelona. And Messi hadn't even <laughs> broke in yet. You know, and this is a guy you've literally just given, you are the best player in the world trophy too. And even he said, I'm not better than this kid who's coming through. And-
2: Interesting um, images as as uh, Messi was being given the, the World Cup trophy. You Normally, you'd obviously want to be proudly wearing the... Uh, the shirt of your country in that situation. But he was obliged to wear this very strange chiffon kind of nightdress looking <laughs> rope <laughs> that was put over him. I didn't know if it was like a bondage uh, teacher's outfit that you might might buy off of a, a specialist website out there, listeners, or whether it was from, uh, the, it put me in mind of, um, I think even Robin Asquith on, on, on Twitter, summoned up pictures of Liz Fraser and carry on uh, confessions of a window cleaner where she comes to the door wearing such a number, you know um apparently that michael was a very prestigious uh qatari tribal robe indicating a man of great stature apparently that's what it indicated it looked for all the world like it was um i don't know some kind of uh Ann summers kind of turn out to me
1: <laughs> what, what, what do we say this is the tournament that keeps on giving just when it finally quiets down, there's something to have a go at them about but yeah. <laughs> um, but no oh, I, okay. I, I think I've, I've yeah it was an interesting subject but it's, it, oh, I mean, I don't want to get political. Um, you know, that's not why you listen to us? But <laughs> it's just—I'm rubbing my forehead as I'm saying this in my temples. But it's—it's it's, un, unless it's a propaganda thing by the Qatar's to, or Qataris to kind of like sort of say, "No, we must have our emblem when the pictures Come are taken." are saying—it's—it's it's like when you go to these other countries and and you know when you win. Like when when you see gold medalists at the Olympics win something and they wear things and they have these robes and they have these flowers, it it, it might just be a, a, a culture that the Western world doesn't understand as much. I think it's,
2: I think you probably nailed it with that. I think I think that's what it was. It just looked very amusing to my uncultured Western eye because it reminded me of Carry On uh, Window Cleaner uh, confessions carry, of, or something Carry some, On
1: Qataris. Some... <laughs>
2: oh <laughs> <All> missis <laughs> what did you make of the goalkeeper I, I i wanted to ask you about the argentine uh goalkeeping hero martinez who i thought in, indulged in gamesmanship or whether some call it shit housery some call it dark arts i don't know of the of the highest order i know that the penalty shooter is always a kind of a test of nerves at the best of times especially in a world cup final but I would have booked him. He threw the ball away at one point. I can't remember if the French player, who it was, but he missed it as, uh, in the, you know, in the, as, as as he was trying to settle his nerves. The goalkeeper deliberately threw the ball away from him and the referee just seemed to tolerate. I would have thought, tell me what you think, what you would have done as a referee, but I would have yellow-carded him for that and threatened another one if he did it again. I, I suppose the referee doesn't want to be the, the point of drama in a World Cup shootout, but... It just struck me as uh, diabolical in that situation, although they would go on to win it. So maybe they'd say, "What do you know, Nick? You know."
1: Well, firstly, before that, let's talk about the save you made.
2: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Good goalkeeper. Oh, I yeah. mean,
1: that's like, that save was incredible. In, in quite real quite time, right,
2: right? that was uh, in, in extra time, wasn't
1: it? Late, late, late. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about that. I think I think you're right with the with a goalkeeper uh, with the referee. Maybe not booking him. He didn't want to make himself be sort of the, the story. I think what also people need to remember as well is yellow cards in penalty shootouts don't count um, in the sort of game itself. So it's a little bit... So basically, say, for example, a player's on a yellow card already and then you book him in the shootout, it's not two yellows because it becomes a a yellow in the next section of the game. So it's a little bit like, is there really much point booking players, you know, in penalty shootouts? Under the laws of the game technically, but also you need to play the game under the spirit. Um, um, And as I said, but that's another podcast for another time. But as I said as well, Um, to someone earlier on and like you just touched on there Nick you know England were nice and polite you know we I didn't think we had a bad tournament but England were nice and polite and got nowhere Mm. Argentina were a little bit shirt pulling a little bit trippy and a little bit you get the ball France they've won the World Cup I'm I'm not not saying we should go I'm not saying we should like re-sign Vinnie Jones to smash into people oh he's Welsh anyway that won't help but
2: We've re- we've re-signed Gareth Southgate, who's going to continue in the role. Much to um, the you know all the all the usual kind of comments that you get for and and against him on that. I, th- I think you're right. I, th- I think Argentina were. Uh, ruthless, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's 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 the dark arts of the game, whatever way you want to call it. And the dancing moves he did after the save. But then we were very Gareth Southgate, and as you say, we went out in the quarterfinals, having not taken opportunities that other better teams, in my opinion, um, you know, took. Um, did you enjoy the tournament overall, Michael? How did you find the tournament, the World Cup as a, as, a, as a whole? I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: I thought it was. I it was a good tournament. Um, in hindsight, I think it was probably better than I thought it would have been. Yeah. Um, however, now I, I can't remember. If it was. I think it was Roy Keane said it after the game, didn't he? When he said, like, you know, these are world class players. It's world class competition. You know, you sort of expect it to be like that. And there's a little bit of me that's thinking, would would the off the field politics affect the on the games on the field stuff? And ignorantly, I, I I got that wrong because mm. I don't. think It was a bad tournament. I think everyone was focusing on what was happening behind the scenes, obviously. And, you know, fan zones not selling beer and you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. But I think in the nicest way, and as a sort of compliment, a veiled compliment, it was that typical World Cup. You've had small nations who get a result against a big team. You get some nations who sort of bloody the noses of big teams. But by the quarterfinal, you could have, I think, six of the eight, apart from Morocco and maybe I think it was um, the Korean Republic... You knew who the other six were, you knew who the semi finalists were, and a lot of people said that France slash Argentina would be one of the teams in the World Cup and look, both of them uh, World Cup final and both of them was in it. It was a good World Cup. It was I'll tell you what I say, it was the same as most other World Cups, but wasn't predictable in the sense no,
2: that, no. in
1: the sense that you knew one team might beat someone, but you you had you no one would have thought Saudi Arabia would have beat Argentina. You might have gone, Core, oh, I expected Australia to beat." Brazil, you know, but mm. not not to the level of some of those results. How they went?
2: There were some good giant killing moments. I think as, uh, maybe every tournament leaves you with this these moments where you know the, the likes of Morocco will come away from it. Feeling like they've they've achieved a national, um, made, they've made a national achievement by by making it to the semi-finals, um, and and there've been other results, you know, Croatia as well. Croatia, as you say, you know, Saudi getting 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 results, and so on, and so forth. So, I think from that point of view, there was it was it was a good there was a good selection of underdog results, um, and I think the Moroccans probably are the underdogs of the lot in the sense of making it to the semi-finals on on merit. Because they were a, a good hard side to be, and that's that's um that's the thing. I my own view is that the the this all eight teams, including us, England, um, all very, very good sides. All could have won it, but the thing that separates very, very good sides from the, the real top table is the likes of the man we've talked about a lot in the show, Lionel Messi, and Killian Mbappe. These are standout stars of a different level. And the two teams that had the two biggest standout stars now um, made it to the final and fought out a worthy World Cup final. I think that's what separates those sides from the very goods, the, the slightly also Rans in this in that in that sentence, which included yeah. England. Um, I think the
1: thing, the, the thing is as well, Nick, on, on that point, and I'm not bashing England or Gareth Southgate, I'm really not, because I'm actually, you know, if he stays, good luck to him, let's see how we get on, let's see how we progress. We've got a good young side, we should do well. <laughs> but it's like... It's like I said when we was watching the game last night, me and um, mm. me and the boys. I said to I said to them like when when Messi stepped up to take his penalty, they said Do you think he'll he'll miss? No, no, he won't. Big mm. game. And Bappe, Dad, Do you think he'll miss? No, big game player. Mm. Same with Gareth Bale when he took his penalty against uh, USA. Was it? Well, was it USA? Uh, he, uh, right. I have to check. It was USA, was it? Lisa. yeah. These 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 are players that you just you can they they just don't they they can step up when they need to. They know like like what they need to do. And again, yeah. this isn't knocking Harry Kane because he missed his penalty, but out of the four, and you said about the the differences in the players and the teams and everything like that. And I know Harry Kane scores a lot of goals, and I know he does, and he scores a lot of penalties, and he was good for me all when everyone says all that as well. Mm. But. But out of those four players, let's say for example they all played in the same team, and there was four penalties. Who would you you picnic to to take you in what order?
2: if I if I had the choice between Messi and Mbappe, it's going to be a very hard choice. I'd probably go over Mbappe yeah. even though I find yeah. him vaguely irritating. The question yeah, is but always... That's it, sounds,
1: but you wouldn't, you wouldn't think you won't think if those four was in a team or those four were your penalty takers, Kane is before those three taking a penalty. No. no. It, it,
2: and the, it's, 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 I think I've said it a good few times. I'll repeat it, listeners, because it's my show and I can repeat myself. Um, but it's an American baseball question they always ask of any player. Is he big time? Does he make the shots in the big moments in the big situations, does he take it or does he miss it? And that's what we've just talked about there. You've got two big time players, Mbappe and, and Messi, and that's what's um that's what produced that final. And uh Messi Prevailed. I've just looking. I've got a really weird kind of contrast. I'm just looking at the BBC um, website, Michael, on my uh, iPad here, and you lurch from the glory and the, the glitter of Qatar and Argentina, and they've got the Scottish Premier League table right by the side of it. And I keeps falling onto Kilmarnock and Dundee in the relegation spots. Um, just a real kind of um, contrast in 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 uh, footballing footballing world. And then Wigan Sheffield United are playing tonight on on TV. We got postponed, Luton postponed, <laughs> which produced some wonderful conspiracy theories online about how the, the game's authorities are against us. Um, it was actually, a, it's the match official that calls off a game, isn't it? It's not, uh, Luton don't call it off. They, Luton's injury list, which apparently was, um, you know, as long as um, my local A&E ruled at the moment, uh, um, but it's actually the, the referee who calls it off. Um so I don't know that we can really put it down to the football league or FA directly. It'd be very hard conspiracy theory to prove. Maybe that's the point of a conspiracy theory. I don't know.
1: No, indeed, indeed. Blame the refs. We blamed them Blame. when England got knocked. Out. We blamed them when Luton got called off. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be a, it's going to be a congested Christmas and New Year, is it not?
2: It will be in this already itty-bitty season. I mean, it's been stop-start all season, and I don't think that's going to going to help us. Um, we are still ninth, although a game in hand, but that never makes much um, difference from a Millwall perspective, listeners, does it? We're still ninth, 32 points after the... It's the only game that got called off, and the reason for that, of course, is that Luton Stadium is um, still Victorian, um, and almost all of the other sides in the championship are of the modern era, so we're under uh, pitch heating. Um, I, I think that it was unfortunate... Because um, especially now as I look out the window, all the snow's gone, Michael. So yeah. there we are. That's that's the um, that's that's the these are the breaks, as I say. Nice little story from Richard Crawley. We're being linked with a Palace prospect, uh, Jez Rak Sakyi, a winger, forward, attacking winger. Whether we'll get this deal or not, I don't know. But it's the kind of deal that I like reading about because it just shows that we are looking for ambitious loans in January and that makes me very happy. Jess Raksaki is his name Um, and apparently he's also been on loan at Charlton already. He's a Paris prospect. Um, I presume if we pull that off that will be to bat us out to the end of of, of this season as as an attacking prospect for us. I like reading about these stories, don't you? I think that's the level that we should be aiming at.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It really is. You, you, you You either buy a sort of unearthed gems in the lower league or you you're at a point now where you loan in players from the premier league and i think that when you're at top end of the championship that's where your market needs to be um absolutely this is it's it's an interesting one i think when you're in league one league two you can make more gambles with sort of like journeymen and uh and these sort of players coming through your youth systems but i think with gary Rowett mentioning about youth the other day in his Sort of how much he, he sort of favours it, or how much he's going to use it this season. Yeah, bring bring bringing someone who's at a lone academy. I mean, you you train and play every week with better players, you become a better player, in my opinion. So good signing. Good Absolutely. Signing.
2: If, if it comes off, it's it's not a done deal. Uh, but Richard is reporting; he's a very good source normally. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see our new Irish uh, signing Edomo Imaku, who can play for us from January the first. So. I think the club is showing ambition, um, and I'll I, I take my hat off to that. Um, just one last point before we close out, Mark, I see we're getting late now, so I'll, I'll let you go, mate. just want to say well done to Mel Bingham. Supporter of the month, Mel Bird Bingham, well known around the, the, the mill scene for her work in um, helping to build that Incredible. I think it's twenty thousand pound plus donation to the Royal British Legion Poppy Fund. Um Mel acted as coordinator and lead on on that as she does each year and she's been named on the club website. Support of the month. I think that's a really nice little touch by the club. So well done, Melanie. Yeah, she'll ha- well, she'll well, hate well, me well, calling her Melanie as well.
1: No, <laughs> no, well, no, that's I mean a lot of work, a lot of work obviously. Goes into that behind the scenes that a lot of us don't see because it, it runs so well and it, it's let's be brutally honest with you without trying to be too uh, too over dramatic it, it normally is one of the highlights of the year and yeah fair play she's done she's done really really well well done Mel well done well done Melanie.
2: lovely yeah. stuff Michael I'm going to let you go mate you're at work I'm just a man of leisure in my smoking jacket and the Sherlock Holmes style carry on at home um, big thank you for dashing across London to join us Michael Avery thank you mate
1: no worries at all and Viva La Messi.
2: And <laughs> until the next edition, which will be after the uh the boxing day game. oh incidentally, listeners, um, if you're ordering a, a ticket for the Watford game, which is boxing day, you've got to go along and physically collect it from the den. I think I read it was um the 22nd is the is the deadline to get your order in. Today's the 19th as we recall, so you've got to get yourself along to the den to pick up your ticket. No postal option, I suppose, because it's Christmas. so um if you want to go to Watford. Uh, you've got to get over to the Den Sharpish to go and get your ticket. Until the next edition, which will be off I said what for game, it will be Arriva Durchy Millwall from myself and Michael. Until then, bye for now.
0: Achtung. Millwall.